As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. It is your Thursday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. It's Ian Mendes, Sean McIndoo with you as we head into trade deadline weekend. Uh, some of those deals have started to trickle in. The Panthers pick up their defensemen. We'll talk about them getting Ben Sherratt. Some of the other deals, including Thomas Hurdle signing a contract extension with the Sharks. Uh, Jesse Granger is going to come by, and we're going to find out what the heck is going on with the Golden Knights. They had Stanley Cup aspirations, and now all of a sudden they seem like they're going to be a bubble team. Uh, we're going to we're going to we got a fun voicemail with a. Uh, NBA type suggestion for the NHL. We got some some voicemails to get uh, um, mailbag questions to get to, including a fun one that involves. Do you think William Nylander should play for the Islanders just based on his name? Anyway, we're gonna have a lot of fun some this week in hockey history. All of that coming in the next hour or so. We're gonna jam it all in on this uh, St. Patrick's Day edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. So I gotta ask you, Sean, when I say St. Patrick's Day. Is the first thought you have, does it, your mind immediately go to Pat Quinn, the big Irishman? You know what? I'm, uh, my hockey brain is so broken that my, I go immediately to the St. Patrick's Day Massacre of 1991, uh, St. Louis <laughs> Blues, Chicago Blackhawks, but Pat Quinn is a real good one. That one is the, the, the big Irishman. That is a, uh, uh, that's good silver medal on that one. Yeah. The, uh, the, so that, that same. Patrick's Day, it's funny because uh, in NHL history, there's been a couple of explosive incidents on St. Patrick's Day. The first being Rocket Richard gets suspended by the NHL. And then league president Clarence Campbell says, you know what would be a good idea? What if I ban Rocket Richard for the season and then show up at the Montreal Forum on St. Patrick's Day just to take in the game? What could go wrong? Right? The next thing you know, there's tear gas. 
We, sh- we should point out Gary Bettman uh, did not show up in Toronto uh, after the Austin Matthews suspension. So he's oh. at least learned from the past a little bit. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, that's yeah, it's a rough day in uh, NHL history or a great day, depending on if you're a Hawks and Blues fans, you probably you probably love that game because it was uh, quite the environment. Let's just say I, I think a lot of those fans in Chicago had been uh, celebrating St. Patrick's Day already uh, before that game got going. So. Um, that's a good one. And prominently featured Dave Manson, uh, father of Josh Manson, who just got traded. So, you know, it all ties together. Maybe look at this or maybe right, right into trade deadline stuff. So it's funny, right? Because, you know, we, we kind of came into this week and we're like, boy, everything seems quiet and we're not going to see a lot of moves. And then all of a sudden you're right. Josh Manson gets moved and we see Tyson Jost get moved. And then we see, I think the biggest one so far at the time of our recording is Ben Sherratt. Uh, goes to the Florida Panthers. And a lot of people are saying this is a home run deal for Kent Hughes and the Montreal Canadiens because they not only get a prospect and a fourth-round pick, they get a first-round pick in a very deep 2023 draft, Sean, that's not lottery-protected, meaning if Florida somehow misses the playoffs uh, next season and they've got a top five or ten pick, the Habs have it. Um, were you surprised at the price Florida paid for a pure rental in Ben Sherrod? I thought it was an enormous price to pay. Uh, I thought it was probably an overpay. Uh, Was I surprised? No, not necessarily, because the Montreal Canadiens somehow have done a masterful job all season long of hammering home this idea that Ben Sherratt was the prize of the trade deadline. Uh, Despite all evidence to the contrary in terms of his numbers this year and his numbers over his career. And, you know, numbers don't tell the whole story all the time. And there are certain players that that maybe bring some things to the table, especially in a playoff scenario uh, that are uh, that, that maybe aren't captured in in the basic numbers that that we look at. But really, you know, the, the first time that I heard that Ben Sherratt was going to be expected to fetch a first round pick. I, I mean, I rolled my eyes as, as I imagine a lot of people did, but that was months ago and they just kept hammering it. And I, again, I don't know if this was a conscious game plan from the Montreal Canadiens to, to keep this name out there, or if it was just the sort of thing where once the ball got rolling, everyone else just kind of ran with it. Um, but you know, there, there's this concept in psychology of the anchoring effect that when you're negotiating the, the first number that gets thrown out there sticks even if it's an unreasonable number and becomes the number that everyone works off of and the number for Ben Sherratt was first round pick plus and they got it I, I mean and and full credit to them I mean the 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 Canadians pulled this off uh they got a team to pay up I I remember thinking when I saw the Josh Manson return going, well, so much for Montreal getting what they're looking for for Ben Chirot, because right. I think Josh Manson's a better and more valuable player uh, than Ben Chirot. And yet they only get a second round pick and, and a prospect for him. I'm thinking, okay, well, that's going to set the market, maybe reset it for Ben Chirot. And it didn't. And Montreal held firm and they got their deal. And and full credit to Kent Hughes. I think that's it's a home run for Montreal. Uh, you know, Florida obviously 
Look, I mean, they, they'll like any contender. They'll be judged on what they do in the playoffs. If this guy's if he's playing eighteen minutes a night on a second pair and they go deep in the playoffs, they, they'll probably be okay with it. But I think it's a great move for Montreal. And you're right, getting that pick not lottery protected in the Connor Bedard year. I know we all look at it and we say, well, yeah, there's no way a team like Florida would be in the lottery next year. We could have said that about Montreal last year when they were going on their deep run and look where they're at. It's always good to get as many lottery tickets as he can. Uh, and and they got one for next year. It's a great deal for Montreal. Just absolutely fantastic. A- a- ask San Jose about not lottery protecting a pick because when they traded for Carlson, they gave up a first-round pick to Ottawa. They didn't lottery protect it, and I think the feeling was, wow, we're the San Jose Sharks. We're a perpetual playoff team. We never miss it. And all of a sudden, they just had a series of unfortunate events, and guess what? Finished out with the third overall pick going to Ottawa. So you never, you never know how that's uh, going to play out. So... And, and, and by the way, can I just throw this in? Yeah. I'm kudos to both teams for not lottery protecting it because I'm sick of every draft pick being lottery protected. It takes so much of the fun out of this. Right. You're right. It's great when you see a team trade that first round pick and then suddenly it's like, uh oh, uh, you know, the, the, the next season isn't as going as well as you thought. We've seen it. Obviously, I'm a Leafs fan. I've seen it happen uh, three times in, in franchise history that they've traded a first round pick and it, and it ended up being top five. But that's great. That, that's fun to watch. Uh, as as fans and and you know this this super risk averse you know let's lottery protect every single pick the height of that was the um I want to say it was the Islanders when they got uh, uh, JG Pajot a few yeah. years ago they had a there was a first round pick in that trade that was lottery protected and there was a later pick that was conditional and kicked in if the Islanders won the Stanley Cup. Like that's out of control. You can't be lottery protecting and Stanley Cup conditional picks in the same trade uh, for a team that year. It was just uh, the the absolute uh, gold standard of covering your bases. Oh yeah, uh, forget that. I, I want a little bit more unpredictability in these. I get rid of the lottery protected trend, and and hopefully maybe this maybe this trade nudges us in that direction. You know, I mentioned the San Jose Sharks and. Uh... They made some waves this week, and I didn't know where I sat on this because you heard all the all the time leading up to this week. I think Hurdle wants to stay in San Jose, and I think the Sharks want him to stay. Can they find a number? And you're like, but where are the Sharks going? Like, like why would Thomas Hurdle want to stay in San Jose? And sure enough, he gets his basically an eight times eight deal. Um, how do we feel about this one? Because I'm not sure what direction the Sharks are headed in. I, I don't know which way they're going, but certainly they they were able to convince Thomas Hurdle to, to to lock in for eight more years. Yeah, and I don't. I mean, I think the the easiest piece of this puzzle to to figure out is is why he would want to stay. It's eight years. It's very good money, and and he gets to stay in San Jose, which is a wonderful place to you know to live. To uh, you know, to, to, to certainly if you're going to commit to to somewhere. Um, that's not a bad place uh, to do it. And, and it, it, and it's a strong organization too. I mean, every, every player raves about how they're treated in, in that organization from ownership on down. So I'm not surprised that he was willing to re-up as far as the rest of it. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's pretty clear what direction they're headed in, which is they're, they're not rebuilding. They think that they can still compete with this group. They, they feel like, uh, with this this core that they've put together, which on paper at least is is a very strong core, um, that that it's full speed ahead, and I, I I would love to hook them up to 
the a lie detector and find out if the members <laughs> of that front office actually think they can win a Stanley Cup with this group, or is it about making the playoffs? Or you know, it's uh, because you know we've seen what this core has done over the last couple of years, and it's it's not good. And I don't see any reason to think that as they get even older, they're suddenly going to start playing better. I mean, yes, you can point to injuries to certain guys and say, you know, if we had everybody healthy, okay, maybe. But there's uh, there's no reason to think that somebody who has trouble staying healthy in their early 30s is going to get to their mid-30s and suddenly be in great shape. I, it Look, the Thomas Hurdle thing, on taken on its own in isolation, it makes sense to want to sign that player. He's a very good player. Um, you're, you want to keep guys like that, even if you can trade them for a first-round pick, top prospect. It, most of those first-round picks and top prospects, their ceiling is going to be a guy like Thomas Hurdle. So, I mean, you, it makes sense to want to keep him. But, man, you look at that. It, like, the San Jose Sharks cap-friendly page is oh. terrifying right now because it's all guys with five, six, seven, eight years left, all guys on the downside of their careers. Thomas Hurdle, I wouldn't put it in that category yet, but he's not far from it. I mean, he's, he's you know, once, he, once a guy tips into his 30s, it, it, we typically do see the production start to drop. So that deal isn't going to age well. It, certainly in the, the second half of it, you wouldn't think. Um, they've got Burns, they've got, got Carlson, they've got Vlasic, they've got Logan Couture. And by the way, we haven't even mentioned Evander Kane, which we're still not completely sure how that situation will pay out. It's possible they'll have Evander Kane in some form on their cap going forward. Uh, once once that whole situation is resolved, uh, it's it's going to be ugly there. And uh, I I really I don't envy Doug Wilson. Uh, you know, we know with with him with his health this year, he has not been as involved. Assuming it is Doug Wilson going forward, I don't envy him. And if it's somebody else, I really don't envy whoever's got that job in three or four years because, man, they're going to have to dig themselves out of a lot of real bad contracts. And I'm not sure that they're going to have much in the way of playoff success to show for it. Maybe not even much in the way of playoff appearances. Do the um, do the Sharks right now kind of remind you of like, remember the early 2000s New York Rangers where you're like, damn, like you got a lot of name guys Big tickets. It just it's not it does it just doesn't work. Like, are the Sharks kind of the the cap era version of the early two thousands Rangers? Where we got a bunch of big name, big ticket guys, but it just I don't know, just doesn't seem to work. Yeah, that's a good comparison. I never thought of that, but it's uh, that that works. And the Rangers were, you know, in those pre cap days, they could throw the money around quite a bit, and they typically went after other teams' star players, uh, guys that were. You know, back in in those days to hit free agency, you were you were close to thirty to do it, and they were older guys. But you know, back then it was it was still possible for guys to contribute uh, a little bit later than they they tend to now. Um, so they would wind up with the you know the Eric Lindrosses and the Pavel Bures and and on down the list, and it it never added up to anything. San Jose is maybe maybe in that group. The the difference would be that this, the Sharks did come close with a lot of these guys. I mean, they right. went to a Stanley Cup final. They've they've they were for a very long time the model of regular season success in the NHL, uh, year in and year out. So, you know, I can understand why there would be maybe a little bit of loyalty to certain guys. But right now, yeah, it's it's I mean it's great name value. If if you were building a, a, a NHL two thousand seventeen roster, this would be a great way to start uh, with 
with what they've got, but it's not 2017. And it's, uh, you know, as much as individually you can admire a lot of those players, um, that father time is, is still pretty much undefeated. And, uh, I, I, I just don't see how it's going to get better two, three years down the line and two, three years down the line, they still got all these guys under contract. You know, you talk about teams that have big name, big ticket players that are underachieving. San Jose obviously comes to mind. Chicago might come to mind for a lot of people. But I think right now, front and center, Sean, is the Vegas Golden Knights. And we're going to, Jesse Granger will drop by. We'll, we'll chat with Jesse about um, Vegas here uh, and get, get a better idea. But this is what I want to ask you is, when's the last time a legitimate Stanley Cup contender missed the playoffs altogether because I think Vegas is in, in jeopardy of that uh, having uh, having that happen to them. And I, I don't mean one of those, you know, when like a team makes a Cinderella run to the cup, like like the Habs last year or yeah. Ottawa or in 2017, you get deep or, you know, the Oilers back in 06. I'm not talking about one of those teams. I'm talking about one of those teams that in September, October, and during the season, you're like, yeah, that's that's a Stanley Cup favorite. And they miss the playoffs altogether. Like, like, for a little bit of context here, where where could this Golden Knights team end up if they miss the playoffs? Yeah, you know, it's it's not as uncommon as you would think for teams that start the year in that conversation, at least to to miss the playoffs. That that tends to happen uh, every every few years, maybe even more often than that. I, including this year, I think there's. Uh, there were a lot of people who had the New York Islanders on their list. I know uh, uh, my buddy Greg at ESPN picked the Islanders to win the Stanley Cup, and and obviously that season's been a disaster. Last year, you know, I went back and looked this up, and and it surprised me. It, going into the 2020 playoffs, uh, the bubble playoffs, the Stanley Cup favorite, according to the oddsmakers, was the Philadelphia Flyers, and obviously they didn't they didn't win it, but they were considered an, an elite team back then, and then they go in and. and Missed the playoffs it, wait, uh, the hold following on. year. In the bubble, the Philadelphia the Flyers bubble. were the... The Flyers were real good that year, right? I mean, they were they Man. were absolutely one of the top teams and and were one of the teams that had the bye and, and all of that. Um, they were I a real good team. That. And a lot of us yeah. had a team on the upswing. And then they, you know, they've missed the playoffs two years since then. The difference is that typically in these situations, including the Islanders, including the Flyers... By the end of October, maybe November, it's become clear that it's not their year. Uh, and what I have trouble thinking of are, are too many examples like this this Vegas team where not only did we all think they were cup favorites heading into the season, absolute lock for the playoffs. I mean, there was nobody in the Pacific that was going to challenge them. They were going to just just walk to to the top seed in the in that division. Um October, November, December, we still felt the same way. It's only been somewhat recently that it, a lot of our, our eyes have kind of opened to the fact yeah. that, and I know personally, it wasn't until like late February that I started looking at the standings going, wait a second, is it even possible that this team could miss? I can't think of too many examples like that. One that does come to mind is the 2018, maybe 2017 Lightning. Remember that team? They had been to right. the final a couple of yeah. years earlier. Obviously, you know, got most of that team got back and they just had one of those years where uh, it, it just didn't work and they ended up missing the playoffs by one point uh, in uh, the, going into the, the final weekend. Um, and, uh, you know, may, 
maybe if you're if you're a Golden Knights fan, that's not a bad team to look at because they didn't panic, they didn't blow it up, they didn't fire everybody. Uh, they kind of shrugged it off and kept going, and uh, and obviously were were rewarded for it. But that's the closest example I can think of a team where you looked at it and went, this team should be playing for the Stanley Cup, and and now they're they're desperately chasing a wild card if they can even get that. Yeah, and you know what that 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 Lightning team that missed in 2017 that was the first year that the Austin Matthews era of the Maple Leafs qualified for the playoffs. And I yep. I, I, I just and want to take the they the got con- the spot and they traded Brian Boyle to the Leafs at the deadline and then missed the playoffs to the Leafs by one point. Which uh, yeah. you know if if it had been anyone other than Steve Eiserman making that deal, I think a lot of people would have questioned it. But we did. Yeah. You- you're right, and, and Tampa rebounded. But I, I, I just want to steer the conversation to Toronto for a second because uh, there's a couple of obviously really interesting things on on the Maple Leafs front, as there always is. Uh, let me start with this. There's some people saying that, hey, they need some help on the back end. Zdeno Chara would be a great fit in Toronto. Cap hit isn't big. Big guy, playoff experience. Uh, I got to think on the on the – on the list of guys I'm having a hard time picturing in a Leafs jersey, Zidane Ochar is near the top of the list. But, I mean, how would how would Toronto fans feel about the big Z coming in? You know what? I think they would like that move, especially if it if it came reasonably cheap. Um, I don't know that he's the answer in terms of on the ice. Um, at this point, I mean, he he has – we, we talked about father time. I mean, this guy's he's, what, 44 years old. Uh, it. it Full credit and to him that he's he's still in the league and and still playing at an NHL level, but it's uh, he he is not the Zdeno Char of old uh, in any sense. He, he's a guy you want on the third pair if you're a contending team. Um, and you know, does he does he help the Leafs? Maybe not as much as as some of the other names that are out there. But in terms of his presence, in terms of some leadership, I you know it might not be the worst thing in the world because we know that this Leafs team whether they want to admit it or not, they're going to be a fragile bunch in the playoffs. As soon as in that first round, anything starts to go wrong, they're going to be looking at each other going, oh God, here we go again. Having a guy who's been around the block several times uh, in that room to say, okay, Everett, settle it down. You know what? I've been here. This is this is fine. Maybe that would help. Uh, you know, I think certainly it would be a popular move. Um, he is a uh, a big name and, and a big presence. Uh, I I don't think as far as on the ice, uh, you know, it, I don't think you want him out there with two minutes left in a game seven. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe he helps you get to that point. Man, I, I just want to see, and I know Ottawa fans will run me for this. Can you imagine the Don't Maple do Leafs? this again, man. You no, no, almost no, got run out of town for the Jason yeah. Spezza take. Imagine the Leafs win the Stanley Cup and Zdeno Chara and Jason Spezza hand the cup to each other. Wouldn't that be a great moment? Yeah. Can Bring you us all together. Yeah. Yeah. That, uh, man, that'd be something else. Okay. The other question I want to ask you about Toronto, I want you to give me a prediction here. Game one of the Stanley Cup playoffs, who's Toronto's goalie? Ooh, boy. Uh, game Starting? Starting goalie game one. Okay. Yeah, boy, boy right. the fact gotta, that you're like... Uh, <laughs> we got to <laughs> specify. Who's, no, who's, finishing, who's finishing the game? Yeah, that's that's the tougher <laughs> one. It might, might, it might be you or I. Um, yeah. I'm still thinking, I mean, Jack Campbell, I think, is is has got to be the significant favorite right now. Um, you know, obviously, if they make a move for a goalie, which we all assume they will, um, that could change the equation. I don't, I, I mean, at this point, I, you know, I hate to say it, but I feel like Peter Mrazek is, is 
close to a write-off uh, in this situation, not in terms of, of being an NHL goalie. I'm, I'm fully prepared to see him go somewhere else and, and you know, get back to his, his old ways. But it's just not working in Toronto for him. I have a hard time imagining that, that, uh, that they'd feel confident starting him. Um, I, I think it's probably Campbell. He comes back from the injury. You know, maybe this, this injury ends up being a bit of a blessing in disguise, gets him away, gets him a chance to reset, comes back, has some success, um, you know, maybe behind a, a better blue line. I, I could see, you know, he, he was very, very good the first half. He, he doesn't have to get back to that level, but getting back to, to something in between uh, would, would be okay. The, the thing with, as far as who they're going to go out and get, other than Marc-Andre Fleury, who do you go out and get that you say, yeah, you know what? They walk in the door. That's our new starter. Jack Campbell will back him up. Razik will, will send down to the minors. Uh, but this guy is our new starter, undisputed. I, you know, Even Fleury, you, you might look at some of the numbers and say you're not sure on him, but, but he certainly has the, the presence and the reputation to take the job. Other than that, it's, it's easy to say, go get a goalie. I'm not sure there's goalies out there that come in and are definitely an upgrade over Jack Campbell, um, given given what we know he can do. That's uh, you know, some of that's just the reality of the position. Obviously, it's you know it's very hard to predict what a what a goalie is going to do, and having somebody come in to a new situation and uh, you know sometimes that can that can work great, and sometimes it goes the other way. I do think they need to do something. I, I think the message they send by by staying with the status quo, given how the last month has gone, is is not going to be a good one. I'm I'm just not expecting it to be somebody that makes you go, ah, okay, they fixed it. The goaltending's great. Um, if anything, it's it's going to be just another question mark coming in. New delicious scenario for you. Here comes Craig Anderson to save the day. So Look at you, Craig just Anderson, Zdeno reassembling. Chara, she, yeah, let's put the band back together. Uh, you know, and, and, but no, okay. You're a, 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 you're great with hockey history and trivia. When the Leafs won the Stanley cup in 1967, how old was the starting goalie? No, uh, very what, old. That was the Bauer Broda. Late, right. Late Wasn't 30s. The guy, right. I'm thinking maybe this is the thing. Maybe you always need a goalie like in around 40 to win a Stanley cup it. in Toronto. Maybe Craig that was Anderson, the whole thing. Zidane Chara, Jason Spezza. We are reassembling one piece at a time, the Ottawa Senators, and a team notorious for having playoff success in the first round in Toronto. This is yeah. this can't miss. Yeah. <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, as always, uh, we teed this up a little earlier, said that we would have Jesse Granger back in the saddle for Granger Things, sponsored by BetMGM, your exclusive uh, betting partner with The Athletic. And as we bring in, Jesse, you know, uh, what's this like for you? You know, every year you've covered this Golden Knights team that just, they came right in, they came in as a Stanley Cup finalist. It has been playoff, playoff, playoff. It feels like every year, all of a sudden, it's a bubble team. What's going on there? What's what is happening in Vegas? Yeah, I mean, it's they're they look like a mash unit. Um, the the injuries are obviously the biggest factor here, and I think there are other reasons. But you look at a team that is well over the cap when they have everyone healthy. Um, if they were to have everyone healthy, but at the moment they have thirty seven point one million dollars in players on IR or LTIR, and. Um, it's Mark Captain Mark Stone, obviously the best player on the team. I mean, you could argue you could argue Jack Eichel, but he's not quite back to himself yet. So I'd still say Mark Stone is the leader and the best player on this team. And then you've got Max Pacioretty, Riley Smith just went out, starting goalie Robin Leonard. And earlier in the year when they were injured, I mean they've been injured all year, but earlier in the year it was like Robin Leonard was back there hanging hanging in these games, holding this team within a couple goals, and then they'd score, and that's kind of how they were able to stay afloat that long. Now that Robin Leonard's out, they're starting to have issues with the goaltending, and the team hasn't been able to score goals all year, and once you <laughs> once you have issues with the goaltending, it really gets hairy. So, yeah, it's been it's been weird covering this, this losing streak. I just got back from a long road trip where they didn't win a game. It was the longest road trip of the season, and they went 0-5. The first time the team has lost five games in regulation in franchise history, which is kind of crazy in five years. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely not what we're used to in Vegas. Well, I'll tell you and, what. Let me- and I, I just have to say, i got to jump in here and just yeah. say, Jesse, on behalf of all the other fan bases, our heart just absolutely breaks for you guys. Right. This is just just terrible. We're all just uh, oh. just right there with you that you guys, after five <laughs> years, have finally had a losing streak and had to sweat a little bit about making the playoffs. It's, it's just crushing for all of you, and we send our best. <laughs> it's yeah. great. It's, it's funny watching the reaction on Twitter. Uh, I don't blame any fan in the league for enjoying Vegas's uh, current downslide, but it's definitely they definitely are enjoying it. Yeah. Well, hey, listen, you mentioned, Jesse, that uh, goal scoring has been a, a bit of a problem. I want to open up our mailbag here because we actually had a, a question for you from a listener named Sean, who says, uh, this is probably a question for Granger Things. Uh, has there ever been a team uh, worse at trying to score goals in the Go- Vegas Golden Knights? I've noticed even last season how many shots they had to pile up just to score three or four goals in a game whenever Max Pacioretty is out of the lineup, or even, and this is even when Stone was in. Uh, the whole offense feels like quantity over quality. So for context, I want you to know I'm a New Jersey fan, but I live in Vegas, so I see them a lot. People act like they're just getting goalies um, that are hot when they're putting up 45 shots and only get one or two goals. But I wonder if this is really a talent-based issue. That's from Sean. Yeah, Sean makes a lot of good points. And so so this the Golden Knights are struggling to score lately. I think they're last in the league in scoring since the turn of the calendar, which is crazy. But 
it's not an issue that's that's just happening this year with all these injuries. Like this team has struggled to put the puck in the net for three years. Um, if you go all the way back to the bubble playoffs in Edmonton, they lost to Dallas because they just hit a scoring drought at the worst possible time and lost in five games in the Western Conference Finals to a team they probably should have beat. And then the same thing happened last year against Montreal. Um, so the last two years that they've been eliminated, that's been the reason. And now this year, it's kind of get it's getting worse with the injuries, obviously. But I think it's a combination of the talent. I, I do think this team has a shooting problem. I think they have a lot of guys who are good playmakers and they pass the puck around really well and they possess the puck better than pretty much every team in the league. Like even the elite teams in the league, Florida, Tampa Bay, Colorado, they, they possess the puck about as much as Vegas, but Vegas just doesn't create the dangerous chances. Everything's along the outside. And I think it's, I think it's talent. I think it's shooting talent. They're, Max Pacioretty has a phenomenal shot. Jack Eichel, who they just added, has a phenomenal shot. But for the most part, their best players, Mark Stone, Riley Smith, William Carlson, Shea Theodore, these guys are great playmakers, not great shooters. And I think that leads to you getting chances and then firing it right into the chest of the goalie. Um, they wear out the the logo on the opposing goalie's chest on a nightly basis. They, they, they have more 40-something save shutouts against them than any team in the league since joining. And... I think another part of it is Pete DeBoer's system, um, and I think that deserves less of the blame, but I do think that Pete DeBoer's system, he runs everything through the point, so Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo get tons of shots from out there, but they don't have the guy, like he did the same thing in San Jose um, when, when he was coaching there, but they had better guys in front. Joe Pavelski can get in front and get a tip. Um, Couture was good at getting tips, and I think in Vegas, he doesn't really have the personnel to get screens on the goalies and to get deflections in front. The Golden Knights almost never score deflection goals. Like we're talking once or twice a season. It never happens. And when you're going to shoot a bunch of shots from the point, they've got to be screened or they've got to be deflections because goalies just aren't going to give up goals from that area of the ice unless they don't see it or it's deflected right before they get to them. So I think it's a combination of the, the system is leading to low, low danger shots. And you combine that with a team that is better at passing than it is at shooting. So uh, walk Sean and I through how the uh, the odds have maybe uh, changed for Vegas here. Because we've talked about this amongst the three of us before. Because of where they're situated in Vegas, there's a lot of action on the Golden Knights. And they've become one of the most uh, popular teams to, 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 to wager on. And I'm curious now, as we shift from, hey, are they going to win the Stanley Cup to, hey, are they even going to make the playoffs? What are what are we looking at here uh, in terms of Vegas's odds for making the Stanley Cup playoffs from a uh, from a betting perspective? Yeah, it's it's been pretty wild to watch. I mean, this team has been amongst the top three in terms of odds to win the Stanley Cup basically from this, the moment the season started. And when they added Jack Eichel, that just went um, even further in that direction. So they've been a cup contender. Now, all of a sudden, I remember writing a story a few weeks ago, like saying, like, how worried should the Golden Knights be? And I looked at uh, Dom Lucian's playoff predictor, predictor, and it was still at 86% for the Golden Knights to make the playoffs. Well, the worst road trip in their team history later, they are now less than 50% to make the playoffs. I think they're, they're at 43% right now to make the playoffs um, in his, in his odds. And, and, and by the way, we were actually talking to Dom on yesterday's show, and he said that that actually might overrate the Golden Knights because that accounts for Pat. He, he has Stone out for the year in that model, but he's got Pacioretty, Riley Smith, Robin Leonard all coming back, and none of that is guaranteed. So um, they may be even in worse shape than that. Right now, if you look at the odds, they went from they, they were nine to one to win 
the Stanley Cup. Now they are 50 to 1 to win the Pacific Division. Um, basically giving them no shot to win this division. Um, they're still a little closer than that to winning the Stanley Cup just because people, I mean, they're, they're, they're saving themselves just in case everyone gets healthy and this team barely sneaks into the playoffs. They could, they could make a run, but the odds have changed drastically. I think they're down to eighth best to win the Stanley Cup now, and they are behind the Kings, Oilers, and Flames in the Pacific Division. And they are, you can, you can actually bet. On BetMGM, you can go and bet on any team you want. You can bet, will they make the playoffs or won't they make the playoffs? And Vegas was usually a ridiculous favorite to make. You couldn't even bet it, basically. The line was so big. But now it's even money both ways. Minus 110 make the playoffs. One, minus 110 miss the playoffs. So they are saying it's a coin toss um, for the Vegas Golden Knights to make the playoffs, a team that has never missed. And to be honest, has never even had a playoff chase. Like This team has coached right. to make the playoffs for four years. Yeah. Uh, again, you know heart, heartbreaking. <laughs> um, one, Jesse, just we're less than a week out from the deadline. What, if anything, can they do? I mean, it feels like any other team that was going through something like this, we'd all be screaming for them to make a big move. And I, I look at the cap and I say, there's, there's no way. And yet I would have probably said that about Jack Eichel as well. So is, is there anything that they can do? Any shenanigans they can pull to, to actually, um, bring in some help at this point? Yeah, so it's, I think there's a lot of information that I don't have that Kelly McCrimmon and George McPhee, president of Hockey Ops, that they have on these injuries that would allow them to maybe make some moves. So we already heard about, okay, if Mark Stone's out for the rest of the season, then they can play everyone. Jack Eichel can go in and they're, they can be 9 million over the cap. Well, that also counts for Robin Leonard, who has a serious shoulder injury that he was playing through. And then he suffered another serious lower body injury and had to be sent home from the trip to Vegas for he, Max Pacioretty and Riley Smith were all sent back to Vegas in the middle of that trip with serious lower body injuries. So there's a chance all three or two of the three or one of the three could be out for the rest of the regular season. There's also Braden McNabb, who's expected to miss a few weeks. Um, Alec Martinez, there's no return in sight for him. They've got, like I said, 37 million in injured players. So Depending on what they know about the timelines for those, they could add more. But I actually just wrote the other day, maybe it might not be smart to at this point. Yeah. Um, this, this team may not even make the playoffs. And while you could fit these deadline moves in with LTIR space, they, you still have to figure it out next season. Next season, you've got to be under the cap when the season starts. You can't do this for an entire 82-game season. So they have already have difficult decisions to make. Riley Smith and Matthias Janmark are both UFAs. They have no money to sign them. And then they also have a bunch of young players. Nick Haig, Nick Waugh, King Kolasar, and Brett Howden are all RFAs, and they're due for raises. So they've got a bunch of free agents that they have no money to sign. They're going to have to probably trade guys just to be able to bring some of those guys back. So anyone you add at the deadline is just adding another contract right, into yeah. that equation. It's just and making it even worse. So like, for example... If this team thinks they're going to get relatively healthy, but they think Robin Leonard's out for the season, adding a goalie makes sense. Loren Brassois had below a 900 save percentage. He's obviously not good enough to win games in the playoffs. He's a solid backup, but he's not going to win you playoff games. So I could see them adding a goalie, but I just feel like that's, I feel like that's, you've been, you've been betting, um, you've been raising the, the hand every time and you're like waiting for that card and you still haven't gotten it, but it's like, Let's raise it one more time, even though you haven't like none of the cards have worked out. Like, just stop, just just this. fold and wait for the next hand. I think if I were Kelly McCrimmon, I might even sell at the deadline. I, I floated this idea in the story and oh. some people thought it was crazy. 
if I'm Kelly McCrimmon and I'm looking at him like, you know what, maybe this season just isn't the one for us. There's so many injuries. Everything has to go right for this team. They've all got to get healthy. They've got to gel. Everything has to go right when nothing has gone right. So maybe you say, look, we could make a move right now that will alleviate some cap space that will allow our offseason to go a little smoother, whether it's trading Riley Smith and getting something for him before you lose him for nothing, or maybe trading another contract that will allow you, that'll give room to add, to, to bring Riley Smith back. I could see them massaging the cap with a, a sell move at the deadline, which would be crazy to imagine, but it, I think it's possible. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on your poker analogy here. Sometimes you are pot committed. You've thrown so many chips yeah. in already that you got to go all in, even though you don't like your hand very much. But yeah, it's it's crazy because I have heard people say, "Well, you know, they'll just they can put Pacioretty on LTIR for the rest of the year, and that frees up Capra." But then you don't have Max Pacioretty right. down the stretch. Like the the whole Kucherov plan only works when you know you're going to make the playoffs, and we don't know that they are. I, I gotta I gotta ask just real quick, given Kelly McCrimmon's history. Are, are we are we thinking a coaching change is imminent? I mean, it it certainly feels like it. I I have been saying kind of in my writing and in my posts that I don't think it's the right move. Like, I think Pete DeBoer has done a very good job with this team. I think when you look at other teams that have had similar injury issues, they've all just completely fallen apart. And it kind of is falling apart now. But prior to now, I mean, they led the Pacific Division for 75% of this season just before they went on this stretch and then Calgary obviously caught fire. But having said that, yeah, I think I think it could absolutely happen. I mean, they fired Gerard Gallant for a lot less. Um, they've already yes. set a precedent. They, That's like, the thing. Yeah. When Gerard Gallant got fired, it was nowhere near this bad. They were out of the playoffs, but it was before the all-star game. I mean, there were yeah. still months and months and months of playoffs. It feels like Gerard Gallant left. had two bad practices and they were like, no. You're you're done. So right, and Bill oof. Foley is super wow. aggressive. I mean, this is Bill Foley is ultra, ultra, ultra aggressive, and I could see him going to Kelly McCrimmon and and George McPhee and saying like like basically like something has to change. Like, are you guys going to go? And then of course they're going to say no. It's Pete first, right? Like that would be that's any general manager. So yeah, I could see it happening. I I think if it was me. I would be patient. I'd say, you know what? This team, this is not their season. Let's run it back next year. Let's see if Pete with a full training camp with Jack Eichel and, and a healthy roster, can they do it? And then if they can't, something's got to change. But I think there's just enough injuries and enough excuses this year to, I think, say maybe this you just punt on this year and see if you can do it again. Well, I'll tell you what, Jesse, it seems like Vegas might be a really interesting team, even on in and around trade deadline day. So I'm going to throw out an open invite to you because I'm going to be uh, doing the Monday show as kind of a live podcast. I think we're going to start around five Eastern time. Listen, I'm booking you in. If Vegas does something nutty or crazy, I need five or 10 minutes of your time on Monday. All right. I'm in. There we go. Good stuff. Hey, listen, enjoy the weekend. It should be a very interesting weekend uh, for the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, as always, Jesse, thanks for this, and, and we'll hit you up again oh, maybe on Monday, but certainly next Thursday. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Jesse. Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokers Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. All right. So, yeah, like I said, a, a shameless promotion for our Monday show. We're going to do it live, uh, trade deadline day, uh, I think just after 5 o'clock. 
Eastern time is when we're going to be recording uh, Athletic Hockey Show after the trade deadline. So hopefully Jesse and some of other of our beat writers will be uh, part of that. Sean, let's open up uh, the emails and the voicemails and uh, and and get to some of this. I want to remind our listeners uh, anytime. You can reach us at the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. That's the email address. Or you can be like Kevin from Richmond, Virginia. Kevin has sent us a voicemail at 845-445-8459. Have a listen. Here's Kevin's idea for how the NHL can adopt something from the NBA. So one thing that maybe isn't as uh, on topic as it was last year when Tom Wilson was destroying our league and making every hockey show podcast somewhat tedious is can the NHL steal from basketball and implement a three foul and out um, type of a type of rule implementation. So you get two or you get three two minute minors and then you're just, you, you foul out of the game. What do you guys think? All right. So there you go, Sean. Uh, Kevin's saying, hey, what if we did kind of like the NBA where you foul out of a game? His idea is three penalties and you're out. What do you think? Uh, well, I mean, it's it's the, the, something the NHL could do. And in fact, it's something the NHL does do with fighting majors. Uh, you almost never see that, obviously, these days. But there there is a rule in the NHL, three fighting majors, you're out of the game. So... Um, this this would just be uh, making that a little stricter. The, I think the problem with this is the same problem that we have with lots of uh, proposed rule changes that involve, uh, you know, calling more penalties, calling making penalties uh, potentially more severe. Are the refs actually going to call it? You know, what's the ref going to do? When Connor McDavid has, you know, picked up a puck over glass in the first and a, you know, uh, a roughing minor in the second and it's the third period and he hooks a guy. Are you going to give him two minutes? Yeah, you might give him two minutes for that. Are you going to throw him out of the game? No, probably not. So suddenly the whistle goes away. And I think that the NBA rule is a, a big contributor to the perception that is out there in, that in the NBA, the stars get special treatment, that guys... Uh, yeah. you know, you, you can, you, you get called for a foul if you do it to LeBron, but LeBron does it to you and, and it's okay. And then a big part of the reason for that is no referee wants to be throwing LeBron out of a, a crucial game on some ticky tack foul that happens to be his sixth. Um, and I think you'd run into the same sort of thing in, in the NHL. So I, I don't think I would be on board with it, but they, they absolutely could do it. And it certainly would be, I mean, it'd be interesting for, you know, as he says, a guy like Tom Wilson takes two penalties running around in the first five minutes. And now you got to think, okay, how, uh, how do we use this guy for the rest of the game? Um, I just don't see it working given how we know the officials love to manage things in this league. Yeah. I always laugh too, when I think about the NBA and, you know, as casual basketball fans or as, as a casual basketball fan, I'll watch and I'll be like, well, wow, that's a that's a blatant travel, right? Like you just kind of let LeBron get away, right, with an extra step. Mm-hmm. Like imagine the NHL, you just like you let Connor McDavid. Oh, he he he's allowed to be offside by a little bit, right? Like it just, yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't happen. But I did so I did look this up uh, after Kevin's uh, voicemail. So this season there have been forty one instances, Sean, forty one instances where a player took three minor penalties in a game. Wow. So four it's so that that's quite a lot. Like like to think of 41 game ejections seems a little high, right? Like mm-hmm. like but 
But maybe the number needs to be four minor penalties because there's only been three instances of that this season. Uh, Wayne Simmons did it. Casey Zizekas did it. Brady Kachuk did it. So th- there's been three games this year where a guy took four minor penalties in a game. But three, I don't know. That, that I might feel be like too, we were all too, waiting too, too. to figure out which Kachuk was going to come into that, uh, yeah. that equation. That had to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I, I mean, or the other way to do it is you just give officials the power that they already have to say, you know what, I'm tired of this guy and I'm going to yeah, either give him the 10 minute misconduct to get him out of there or, you know, they can kick guys out of games. So, um, you know, maybe we just need to be a little harsher on guys who are out there committing the same fouls over and over again, but it's an interesting idea at yeah. the very least. And like I say, precedent in the NBA and uh, a precedent in the NHL that a lot of fans don't know about. Yeah. Uh, l- l- listen, we're going to go from Kevin in Richmond, Virginia. Let's go up to Martin in Quebec City. And Martin says, greetings from Quebec City. In your last show, uh, March the 10th, when discussing Gordie Howe and his family, you compared Marty Howe to Marion Stasny. And I have to respectfully disagree with this comparison. Although Marion's NHL career was shorter than his two brothers, his contribution was significant. Statistically speaking, Peter and Anton had their best seasons when they were reunited with their older brother in 81, 82, and 82, 83. Having witnessed the three brothers playing together in the early 80s at Le Colisee, they were magical. I may be mistaken, but I believe they were the first all-European trio to play in the NHL. Love your show and your quirky sense of humor. That's from Martin. Uh, there you go. I, I guess we are. We, we're not even trying to be funny, and we're funny. But uh, what do you think? Is this some... Um, did we? I, and I think I also may have compared Marion Stastny to, we, to Cooper Manning at some point, maybe. Yeah. Did we? And, and let's yeah. be clear. This was you. He, he's <laughs> yeah, saying I, we did it. it. This was you. This was me. Okay. So, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good with any defense of the Stastny brothers. That was a very cool uh, um, moment in NHL history, having three brothers playing on the same line. Uh, I I don't know. I'll be honest. I don't know if it was the first all European line, um, but it it checks out because uh, certainly back then there weren't a lot of uh, uh, European players in the league yet. Uh, so uh, quite possible. Did the Winnipeg Jets or were they in the WHA when they had that Anders Hedberg, whatever? Mm. There was like that line right where they were all yeah. European. But did that come to the NHL? That no? may have been the WHA. I'm yeah, not sure. I think I'd have so. to, I'd have to go back and look. How do you not have the Avco Cup uh, right up on your screen right now? Yeah, I know. I'm I'm sorry. I'm slipping. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, one other email that we got here. This is this is a fun one from Paul. <laughs> Paul writes into the show. This is something my wife, who puts up with my hockey viewing, pointed out to me. I think this is rather impressive. Uh, my wife thinks that William Nylander should be on the New York Islanders, not the Toronto Maple Leafs, and she doesn't care about his contract or his ability. It's just that when you look at his name, you almost see... Uh, Nylander, you almost see the phrase New York Islander in his name. And it got me thinking, mm-hmm. maybe Spencer Knight should be playing for Vegas with the Knights. And um, he goes on, he says, hey, listen, what other names exist here? Maybe some teams may be better than others, but is there anything better that you guys have than Nylander on the Islanders? That comes in from Paul. Uh, we should point out that our producer, our fantastic producer, Danielle, who happens to be an Anaheim fan says that Cam Fowler playing for the Ducks deserves some attention. And she also told me, Sean, before we came on the air, just before you got onto this recording, Danielle pointed out that Pat Verbeek is a pretty good name for Okay. Verbeek. 
Okay. So Not what bad. else do we got? What else we got in the hopper here? You know what? This this is a good one because I I immediately had a few pop into mind. Um, Paul Ranger, uh, never playing for the New York Rangers. Yeah, is one. Uh, Martin St. Louis never playing for the St. Louis Blues uh, is is on there. And then the big one that I think a lot of people think of is Miroslav Shatan with the Devils. Never did play for the New Jersey Devils. We never got to see S A T A N on the back of a Devils jersey, uh, which was a big loss. But but then I went digging to see if 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 there were some other ones out there, and I, I ended up finding a Reddit thread. Uh, and they've just got a ton of them. There, I mean, there's a Reddit thread for everything. Okay, there let is. Me th- there. Let me throw one in there for you before yep. because you probably this one's probably going to be taken. But what about Mark Habscheid playing for Montreal? That's a good one. I don't think right? that was on this list. Okay, it, Mark it probably Habscheid. should have been. Yeah, they've got. I'll throw some other ones out there. Uh, Ethan Bear to the Bruins would be good. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Jet Wu on the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, they oh, do yeah. mention Cam Fowler. Somebody else also points out that. Dallas Drake never played for Dallas or for the Ducks, which really feels like he should have been there. Um, uh, Dan Highnote playing for the St. Louis Blues. That works pretty well. That's a great one. Um, There has been one player in NHL history named King who has played for the LA Kings, and that was Dwight King. Uh, That's that's a pretty good one. Somebody here points out Adam Foote on the – Colorado Avalanche back when they had the Bigfoot patch, the, the, the patch on the shoulder. Yeah. So that one, uh, that was pretty good. Um, Garth Snow to the Colorado Avalanche would have been a good one. Uh, and uh, let me just, there was a couple of other ones that I really liked in there. Yeah, Bill Quackenbush, I don't think was around to play for the Ducks. Um, but oh, uh, that, that might be the all-timer, Quackenbush. I mean, yeah, you almost got to bring him back. They, you gotta, somebody just, mentions Mike Eagles was on the Capitals when they had the Screaming Eagle uh, logo. So that was pretty cool. Uh, and uh, and, there, and has, then, yes, of course, the ultimate one, the, the, the two ultimate ones, and this is from junior hockey, but somebody points out that Pete Peters never played for the Peterborough Peets, which would oh have been fantastic. Oh, my God. Can you fantastic. imagine that? Pete Peters, but the one that beats that is there was a player in junior hockey, never made the NHL. His name was Wheaton King, and he did play for the uh, the Wheat Kings, the Brandon Wheat Kings uh, in the WHL. So, I mean, that one I don't think can ever be beaten. Wheaton King plays for the Wheat Kings. Oh yeah, that that's your all timer. The name Leaf, like L E I F, is a fairly common name, right in, in in Scandinavia. Yeah. Like has there has there ever been an NHL I'm 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 having a hard time in my mind thinking of an NHL player whose first name was Leaf. I, I just looked it up and there's only been three was there a and Leaf none Eric- of them stuck well, who around was Leaf very Erickson? long. And- was there some, What's that? Was there like a celebrity or something like somebody named Leaf Erickson? Why is that name? Probably. That okay. that yeah, uh, let's see. It's Leaf Erickson. He was an explorer. There you go. Which I guess is a type of celebrity. Yeah. But so, yeah, yeah, it's like Magellan, Svensson, and Leaf Rollin, uh, neither one of which ever Leaf played for the Rollin. Leafs. Okay, um, but uh, yeah, we've never got uh, Brent Burns going to the Flames would be another good one. Uh, somebody says Brandon Brandon uh, Sod on the Blues. You kind of have to. Uh, that that one's maybe a bit of a stretch, but yeah, you know, you hey, you know what though? That's they're all a bit of a stretch, but I like that. That's a fun one. If anyone has some other. Uh, suggestions by all means hit us up in the comment section of this podcast you can tweet at us we always have a lot of fun 
uh, with that. Uh, hey, speaking of having a lot of fun, let's wrap up the show, as we always do, with a little This Week in Hockey History. And I, In fact, I just want to focus on one thing that happened, okay? Because this is fascinating to me, utterly fascinating. We're going to take our listeners back to March the 15th of 1941. So March 15th, 1941. The Montreal Canadiens were playing their final game of the regular season. Okay? I believe they're playing the... I, I, actually, I don't even know who they're playing. But I think they were playing New York. Final game of the regular season. Then Montreal head coach Dick Irvin, Sean, doesn't know who his goalie is going to be to start the playoffs. Okay? It's his last game of the regular season. He's like, here's what we're going to do. Roughly every seven, <laughs> roughly every seven minutes of the game, we're going to just alternate goalies. So on this date, in the final game of the regular season, he had two goalies named Burt Gardner and Paul Bebo. And every seven minutes, he would rotate them in and out. And miraculously, the Habs actually got a shutout with this bizarre format. They win six nothing. Um, I just need to get your thoughts on this radical approach and. I mean, to me, all I could think about was vague. Like, I'm thinking about recent goalie controversies. Can you imagine if a couple of years ago or last year, like Vegas did this with Leonard and Fleury and Pete DeBoer's like, listen, every seven minutes, you're going to rotate. Like, this just would never happen ever in this day and age. That would have been fantastic. Yeah, it ne never would happen. And apparently, from, from what I've been able to, to see, never happened again. So it's, even though it worked... <laughs> In the sense that they got a shutout, uh, Dick Irvin never went back to it. I just love the idea that you go into the last game not sure who your goalie is. So you're like, you know what I need? Is An extra 28 minutes to let me know <laughs> which guy to go with. Um, Paging yeah, Sheldon Keefe. Sheldon Keefe. You might could wanna, I mean, the Leafs yeah. could, uh, could change goalies every seven minutes just based on performance, I think, would be uh, <laughs> a chance to, to, to set this up. Uh, catch this record because yeah you talk about unbreakable records that would have been what the, the five or six or seven goalie switches in a game um that probably would be uh, uh would be a tough one but uh yeah i i mean i'd love to see it in in theory you you never see teams intentionally you know planned goalie switches other than in in preseason obviously where the guy will they'll, they'll split a game uh but you, you you know you don't see it the way that you do in you know in baseball like we've seen evolutions in how baseball pitching is done where you know guy teams will even use somebody they don't uh, for the first time through the order and then bring in the starter later I don't know if there's any room for that kind of thinking in in hockey but um, the 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 two things that you never see in hockey that I wish would come back this is one of them and then uh, Scotty Bowman changing goalies on the fly uh in the in the 90s with Pittsburgh yeah which is something that anytime I start on about weird rules somebody will eventually ask me are you allowed to change goalies on the fly and the answer is yes you can it it doesn't make sense to do it um but you know when you're Scotty Bowman you, you're just screwing around you can you can do it there's a great clip on on YouTube you can find it where it it's they're playing the Rangers and the Rangers come down and they shoot on one goalie and the puck goes back the other way, and the Rangers come down and shoot again, and it's a different goalie. And it takes the announcers a second to realize what's going on, but it's a different goaltender than it was 30 seconds ago. It's one of my all-time favorite weird hockey clips. Um, I think we need to combine the two. Let's just, every seven minutes, no matter where the puck is, where it's just a new guy coming in. Okay, you need to break down that clip on one of your future mailbags or something just to, um, I don't know that that's a, a, a kind of a well-known, 
uh, known enough yeah. fact that that Bombay. I feel I, like I, I have, I, but uh, I, it's okay. It's, I'll, uh, I'll look for that. But uh, to me, that's it's, really it's, fun. I'm not sure why it was done. I think it was literally like he wanted to split the game, like get them both some action last late late <laughs> in the season. And I I'm guessing that at some point somebody went, you know what would be cool? Let's let's change on the fly and. Scotty Bowman was like, you know what, screw it. We're the we're the we're the Mario Lemieux era Penguins. We do whatever we want, uh, and it's just if if I remember right, the clip itself is like really bad quality. It's like one of these that somebody's posted off of their old VHS, but it's you get the gist of it, and it's uh, it's very very funny. Oh man, I, I think you know what, and and I think in the NFL, I think the Dallas Cowboys did this once uh, before our time, like in the early seventies. I think they had a game. Roger Staubach was their quarterback. I think the other guy was like, must have been like Craig Morton. And they like all the Tom Landry, like alternated them in, I think in every series, like one series Staubach, one series Morton. That's the only other mm-hmm. thing I could think of, like this Dick Irvin thing where you rotate like your You, you see your it goalie. in football, right? Where a little yeah, they'll, bit, right? they'll bring in other quarterbacks because a play calls for a guy who's, you know, more of a runner or more has a deep arm or something like that. Um, I, I don't, I can't think of a scenario in hockey. I guess the other. The closest would be the the few times that we've seen coaches switch in different goalies for the shootout because they felt like one guy was better yeah. in a shootout Wait, situation. But did that happen uh, once with the Oilers and Mike? Was it Mike Morrison? Did he come it in may for have been. a shootout? The, the Leafs did it once too. Ron Wilson did it with with Curtis Joseph, and yeah. and I think I think it was done a couple times and it didn't work. And so, of course, this being the NHL, being the copycat league That's that it is, that. It, yeah. the teams didn't win, so it was done. That's the end of that. We tried it three times and it didn't work. So that's yep. uh, that's, that's got to be it. Uh, all right, listen, that's going to be it for us. Uh, this was a lot of fun, as always. The hour uh, the hour uh, flew by. Uh, I want to remind everybody, like I tried to tee up there with uh, Jesse, coming up on Monday, we've got a fun kind of live edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. We'll get you caught up on everything that happens on trade deadline day, I'm sure. Uh, now, Sean, before I let you go, do you have a live, like, what's your, uh, sometimes on trade deadline day, you have a live blog or yep. some different I'm things. Doing, what, what, what do we got going on? on I'm on doing the, the live blog again this year. I'm not, uh, honestly, I'm not sure who who's in there with me, although I'm, I'm sure there'll be a few of us. So yeah, you can uh, start bright and early. And while you're listening to Ian, you can uh, be hitting refresh on, on the live blog and seeing my stuff as I react to the day as it, as it unfolds. There we go. Good stuff. All right. We'll leave it there. I want to remind you again, you can email us your questions to the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail uh, at 845-445-8459. And if you're not a subscriber, we got a great deal going on right now. It's a dollar a month for your first six months. Uh, when you go to the athletic.com slash hockey show, you can also subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Get all of our bonus content from our entire network. You can start with a 30-day free trial, and then it's just 99 cents a month after that.